Uh, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got an NIA boys here today. Trung, fan. What's going on, Trung, mate? Good, man. I'm good. A little bit sweaty right now. It's cooking. It's All right. cooking. In, in, you uh, got a little heat wave there as well. And then we got our got? boy, Jack yep. Butcher, founder of Visualize Value. And I'm Bilal Zaidi, as always. Yeah, mate, there's been like a 40 degree Celsius situation in London. Did you see that? And the whole of Europe is cooking. Oh, pretty yeah. hard right now oh yeah no I ac saw... over there it's some good uh good meme circulation on the ac uh prevalence some... in europe wait what it, is it all is ac not too prevalent because of the green i think three percent of british households have ac and it was it... i think it's 49 degrees celsius in some places in the uk last week is it because 49? of the environmental that's mad is it environmental stuff no it's just you don't have weather that's extreme enough to justify oh, yeah. it yeah fair fair, fair. Yeah, but you know, as soon as it hits 21 degrees, people getting their tops off in the UK, man. Or they're, they're hitting 18 getting degrees, that, getting that skin going. <laughs> 18 degrees is not shirt off weather. Shirtless pints. Yeah, it is. Shirtless okay. what? You know, Jack's okay. done a few shirtless pints back I've in the day it. and yeah. a few shirtless curries too at the end Wait, of the let match. Me, let me throw Thanks. you guys uh, uh, the invention of the air conditioner. It's one of humanity's greatest inventions. I'm actually going to throw it up there. The greatest example is Singapore. Singapore is one of the richest countries in the world per capita for its size. It could not exist without the air conditioner. I believe Lee Kuan Yew. Fun he, fact, fan early yeah, today. Hold on. Lee Kuan Yew <laughs> on uh, air conditioners. So Lee Kuan Yew is probably top five leader in the second half of the 20th century. The founding father of Singapore. Uh, this is what he said. Yeah, he says air conditioning was the most important invention for the, uh, the country of Singapore. Perhaps one of the most important inventions in history. So there you go. What are you there saying? It produced a bunch of economic value for Singapore, or no, you're saying it couldn't function? It as couldn't a exist without AC. They wow. couldn't. They Probably couldn't. both, though, because if if, they, if everyone's frying, you can't be going to work. You no, can't no, but be that's what I mean. They couldn't even. You couldn't, couldn't be dying. an economy. I didn't yeah, even could, realize it was that hot. Oh, Singapore. I mean, here, let me let me fun it's fact. Swampy. You guys. It's yeah, swampy. It's swampy there. Let's where it is on the map. Singapore. Uh, and while uh, Trung so pulling that up, uh, Trung, you pulled it up, and I'm just going to tell people what they've got, what we've got coming here. So, look, it's been a massive week for Amazon. Uh, they recently just bought one medical for, for about $4 billion. We're going to break that down. Uh, but more importantly, talk about the best acquisitions of all time uh, on the Amazon side. That's a short one, and then we're going to get straight into to the AMA. A lot of you have been submitting really, really cool questions in our Telegram group. If you're new here, you haven't joined that already, you can click the link in the description below and uh, join us there. We've got like 15 amazing questions there. We're going to try to tackle most of them today. Um, so, Trunk, what was the, what's the average temperature, mate? Is that what you're looking at? No, I'm not sure. I'm just going <laughs> to show you where it is for, for the uh, people that may not realize how uh, near the equator it is. So I actually didn't even realize until I lived in... Uh, Southeast Asia. So here we go. Oh, There's wow. So, yeah, so we know Bilal Zaidi's been in this region. But uh, for the <laughs> <Yeah>. listen... <laughs> Being in this region. So, yeah, uh, definitely have. I mean, were, you, were, you mean... were you single or were you with uh, with the partner? Uh, no, I think I was single then, yeah. But hey, I mean, oh, it depends which part you're talking about. I mean, uh, I've also been to Pakistan. Let's just say those are two very different trips. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely true. That's definitely... Hold on a second. You know, so... Uh, so your boy Trung Stunner lived in uh, Ho Chi Minh City here. So I'm like, oh, Ho Chi Minh City. That's pretty near the equator. Like, here's the equator for the uh, 
the listeners, I'm just pointing at map of Southeast Asia. Pull it up uh, on your phone or if you're listening or if you're running or on a bike, don't do that. But uh, check out Singapore. Here it is. Here's the equator. And here's Singapore. I didn't Look realize it was that close. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Wow, so that's crazy. I remember the first time I went to Singapore, I got off. So I'm in Vietnam. I'm like seasoned. I'm like, oh, I can handle the tropical Asian heat. I get off the plane in Singapore, just like, whoosh. Like, you know that the humidity the that heat hits? as you yeah. leave the plane, right? Yeah, the heat that comes. That, that, mm. Well, that happens a lot of places, but like you go to Morocco, same thing happens anywhere near Africa. But like the heat, oh man, I you remember smell that. it. Just, you smell the heat, man. Yeah. All right, but boys, yeah, so let's get to uh, the best. Well, actually, Jack has got a meme in a week for us to kick us off because uh, we've skipped that a couple of weeks. So I think our boy Jack has one for today. Oh. Jack, I think your mic's off, brother. I said meme of the week is homegrown this week. I'm okay. sharing it now. With very the heavy. Niche, <laughs> a very, very niche <laughs> meme. We got a split screen here. We'll put, well, if you're watching the, uh, if you're watching the video, you can obviously see this, but I'll try and do my best at explaining it. We got a split screen, two characters from very uh, different segments of the financial culture. On the left, we got Nancy Pelosi. Uh, answering a question about whether or not she's her husband is trading on insider information and uh, her reaction to that question. And then on the right-hand side, we got a meme that Trung has been uh, been known to use on a number of occasions. What, I Legendary forget this dude's one. name, but it's a guy that went on CNBC, was yeah. talking about this, his, his amazing stock portfolio. <laughs> and he got asked what one of the companies that he was talking about did. And he goes, uh, sorry, uh, you're breaking up. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, sorry. So uh, just oh, yeah. juxtaposing I'll, I'll those two moments. Exactly. So uh, very niche. But uh, if you did enjoy it, I appreciate you. And uh, we're going to keep uh, keep the low tam memes on yeah. the way. Here Wait, we go. Let me, I got one last thought on that. Sorry, I know we're delaying the, again to the AMA, but listeners, you just got to deal with trunks down sometimes. We had... Michael Saylor talking for 90 straight minutes two weeks ago. So I want, I want a couple words. Uh, <laughs> the last thing I'll add on that is uh, I liked a Nancy Pelosi meme like a couple weeks ago. And this just speaks to how crazy the internet is. And some dude had seen that I liked the meme and he just hits my DMs. He goes, hey man, I see that you're boosting the signal on some uh, conspiracies about Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> No way. I, uh, I enjoyed a lot of your stuff, but I, I'm going to stop following you now. I'm like, first of all, kick rocks, buddy. Which meme? which meme? I want to know uh, which meme. It was the one uh, uh, with the with, when the CHIPS Act came out, the Semiconductor Act. She's like calling her husband. It's like, buy NVIDIA right now. <laughs> I mean, did that not happen? How's that a conspiracy? I know. People think it's allegedly. A... Allegedly, mate. Dude, we but here's the thing. If you're a Democrat, <laughs> not you just want to believe it's not true, right? You're like, oh, it's a... She's allowed to do that. It's not illegal. It's, it's not illegal. It should be, but it's not. So that's like wait, the wait, and just so for people who haven't been following this properly, there's a lot of speculation that her and her husband have been buying a bunch of stuff and profiting from it for a long Correct. time. But Even she got asked about true. it, yeah, directly. So Jack's and meme she... is being asked about it. But the whole point is, let me add this: is like whether or not it's true. Okay, Paul Pelosi might be the greatest investor ever. The optics are so bad. <laughs> The optics, here's another thing. She, outside of the administration. Your high pitch just kicked yeah. the, the yeah. she. Let's keep it going, keep it going. Okay, Go she, Don't lose the energy. Dude, dude, Blau, you're killing me, buddy. Right, so she, 
And her, she and her husband are apparently planning a trip to Taiwan. And that's a geopolitical hotspot. I thought they and already went. I thought they no, already I went. I don't think they've gone yet. I think it's being planned. The mm. Chinese government has back channel and said, if you come to uh, Taiwan, there will be a military response. As in, they're going to send ships down to fucking Taiwan straight to be like, this is not cool. A speaker of the house has not gone to Taiwan in 25 years. Now, last point, I support the Taiwanese people and the right to self-defense. And I believe Taiwan is a country, but you got to do this tactic tactfully, right? So that's it. You got As another person in your DMs now, Trunk. We yes. are, <laughs> things to avoid on the internet. Yeah, done. Go ahead. All right. Boys, I gotta keep us on track now. Let's get to the good stuff. Amazon's best acquisitions trunk. Let's see the list here for people who are only listening and not watching, which is most people. Could we explain what happened this week, but also what you're showing on the screen right now? All right. So Bilal mentioned that Amazon acquired one medical. It runs 180, I think, primary care facilities around America. One in the Google office, by the way, yeah, in New York. So, well, Blau, please yeah. tell us. Can you tell us what one medical offers? I only used it like once because I think they only brought in as I was leaving. But they're essentially like an on-site, uh, on-premises doctor. Um, and I mean, I don't really know too much more than that apart from that. It was like within the office, though. Like you go in the elevator and you turn yeah. up on the floor. And uh, they do a lot of stuff on-site. Um, and I think it's, do, do you pay, if, if it wasn't through Google, I think you would be paying like every month or something. I believe the annual like subscription a, is 200 bucks and then you have to pay for uh, any other future services, but it's, it, like, it. it's like paid for primary care, right? And obviously uh, Google is one of the largest customers. Um, what's interesting about the deal is people may remember the last five years, Amazon's trying to been pick away at, at, at uh, healthcare. So they had a huge deal with JP Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the three companies combined were trying to figure out healthcare uh, because between the three of them, they employ millions of people, like all the Berkshire like subsidiaries. So they're like, can we figure out healthcare like A, selfishly because we spend so much on it, but B, mm. if we can, it's like, a, it's like the whole ethic of Amazon where they'll solve a problem for themselves, like Amazon Web Services. Like Costco hot dogs as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so uh, I don't want to have to go too much detail about the acquisition because I, I know nothing about healthcare, but with some some criticisms I've heard about the deal is like, it's it, here's the upside. If Amazon, it's a way for Amazon to crack into millions of uh, potential customers in healthcare. They can build out the rest of their medical business. They have Amazon Care as an existing subsidiary. They own PillPack. Do you guys use PillPack? It's a no, pharmacy. but I've used something similar. Like, is that okay. where they deliver it to your door sort of thing? Exactly. So uh, they're yeah, building all similar. the pieces for a healthcare solution, right? But I think the larger uh, criticism or people are like kind of sus suspect about is that A, healthcare is effing hard, right? Like everybody knows this. Healthcare is effing hard. Uh, there's no guarantee they'll succeed. The other thing is when the whole Whole Foods acquisition happened, and this is Ben Thompson gets a mention once a month at least, he was just like, he had written widely about it. He's like, well, Whole Foods going to be a complete game changer for Amazon. They're going to crack retail because Amazon always wants a first best customer to test on, which is always themselves, right? So by owning Whole Foods, they could try to figure out retail delivery. And even if it doesn't really go commercial, they've at least solved it for themselves. But um, man, five years later, do you guys know any like tangible difference between Whole Foods before and after the Amazon acquisition? Has there been any integration or anything special? Not to my mind. I mean, I think they, 
I remember when it first happened, The pr I feel like the prices were, I used to go, I still shop from there every week. So like the prices did go a little bit down. Like there were certain things I was like, oh, straight away I noticed that. And now over time, they're actually gone way up, obviously with inflation recently. I'm yeah. now having to go down to a local bodega and get like asparagus for like $18 <laughs> or something. Um, so uh, I, I, I think they had the scan thing. Like at the end, you get some sort of reward in the Amazon app. Like there's some stuff like that, but not but really. game changing, right? No, nothing at all. What about yourself, Jack? Do you, do you feel anything? Do you shop at Whole Foods? Yeah. Uh the prime like rewards is yeah. you're, that's what you're talking about yeah well, i think right? that's the same thing i think thing, the yeah. delivery stuff might have gotten more sophisticated oh that's like, true that's a good one actually okay. i okay. very much only get delivery from there and that is pretty good except it was yeah, Instacart just, before right it was like yeah. uh it was like third party thing and now they have all that in-house and i think 50 percent of the people in the store are, are like picking orders instead of shopping ah, now. Good point. Mm, okay. that's interesting okay well, let me let me add the last thought on one medical is if uh, if they bundle it with Prime, that's actually really smart, right? Oh, because, that's interesting. Like, yeah. Bilal, to your point, you maybe wouldn't have paid two, three hundred dollars a year for one medical, right? But yeah, your employer paid it. But yeah. if you're already paying for Prime, maybe you'll kick an extra two bucks a month to get one medical, right? Because yeah. the 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 jump to pay for that it solves it for one medical also, right? Like. The customer acquisition side so that could be interesting we'll see here's a, i mean here's a controversial question you know people like attack it saying it's complicated it's like what's the alternative like who's a more sophisticated entity working on the problem the u.s healthcare? government yeah well the, the the entire u.s healthcare system is extremely complicated because of how it's built between the insurers uh the and you know why like no no i know it's complicated i'm just saying like who better than oh, who better Amazon? to solve it right yeah, I, oh, got you. I, well, yeah. the reality, I mean, the reality has, to your point, is like, do we trust the government to solve healthcare, right? It's already gotten so out of hand, but they just have all the levers. Like, what other, all Amazon can really do is kind of, it's kind of what Uber did with taxis, right? Is you force them to make changes, but it's a lot different because it's healthcare. That's a great question, though. Like, who else? Who else would you, would you want? Uh, Google, maybe? Yeah, but I always hear this. Like, I think I remember when COVID was first, like, kicking off it was like let amazon run the yeah. logistics for distributing let like Bezos everything yeah yeah and oh yeah like who would you have rebuild the u.s military and logistics for like what those what like amazon is just the most absurdly sophisticated business it's just world, like, like hard to even world, fathom right? how incredible the like even the like anticipation of stuff celia was t talking about this the other day it's like you order this like the most obscure item and it's like, yeah, it can be there by four o'clock today. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make How any does that sense. Even make, yeah. How does that even work? Well, and, actually, uh, I think they've, they know what you're going to order before you order it, right? Like the, the amount of data they have. Is, they get you in trouble, mate, on yeah, the shared account. It's, <laughs> it's got, I mean, it's got a like rival. I don't know. It's got a rival Google for the amount of information or like a profile on you. It's like revealed preferences. Yeah, what and the, the information they have on you. Not yeah. just. Not and like obviously food. Google has to search, but like the actual, like you purchase this or we're looking to buy it. It's like as bottom funnel as it gets. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's yeah. no greater intent, media, right? Yeah. Media, like consumer goods and food at this point, where it's like yeah. you're buying this from Whole Foods, you're watching this at night and you're buying, you know, this, this, and this product in the day. It's like, That's who has full a better stack profile Maslow that? hierarchy of <laughs> needs there, mate. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt, mate. Well, you prime, prime, prime rent, prime cars, <laughs> prime is coming.
Well, let's talk about blah, blah. You're, you're itching to knock out the marketing terms. You know, Google is a intent. <laughs> I just made that one up intent, there, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh, that's but, true. Yeah, the intent oh, part. Yeah. But, but no, but blah. What I mean uh, to your point, though, is like there's nothing more intent based than the actual purchase. Like I talk a lot about buying a lot of things, but not until you hit that button is the intent actually completely bottom the funnel. Yeah, hundred percent. Can I do a quick uh, screen share? Yes. Yeah. So of this course. was Go from. Uh, oh shit! This is this is eight years old. Amazon patents patents, I should say, anticipatory shipping. Just start Unreal. sending you stuff before, before you bought this eight years ago. I remember this headline, um, just just crazy. And obviously, that's a lot closer to being true now. Jack, right? could you say what, what was that again? Because I couldn't really see on the screen. What, what the was headline? It? Yeah. Um, anticipatory oh, wow. shipping. Anticipatory shipping to start sending you stuff before you bought it. And, and like, Incredible. obviously, that hasn't happened exactly, but I bet that stuff is sitting in the hub waiting for you to check out. But I think what? if you think about like the, um, the, the subscription stuff that they offer, like toilet roll and like toothpaste and stuff like that. that and then when you get like the idea has always been you got the smart fridge and it knows yeah, the milk's yeah, yeah, out, yeah, yeah, like yeah, all yeah, those yeah. kind of ideas you've heard forever. Do you remember forever. the button they did? Do you remember yeah, that? The, the dash go, button. What was it? The dash. The, the dash. dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Complete failure. Well, Jack, to your point though, is like, I mean, ultimately this is all, I mean, it's all machine learning AI, right? It's like, do you guys remember the, the most famous one was Target? was when Target, a couple of years ago, they're recommending like childcare stuff to a woman because she had purchased. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah. you remember? She had purchased a series of medicines, maybe like Plan B and maybe some sexual healthcare stuff. And like, they started recommending and then the parents found out, right? And there's like, they knew. But like, Amazon clearly is better than Target. But I think the point that Jack brought up, everything you talked about actually touches perfectly into uh, the, the acquisitions here. And we can actually start knocking down and Jack actually made great points already about which ones are the best ones. And Trunk, just while you're pulling up, one I one I remember working on a what was it called Blue Nile or something, the diamond ring company. Is yeah. it Blue Nile? Yeah, for like this is like 2010, 11 or something. And uh, that, if you just think about, we were talking about getting you in trouble. That's kind of what I had in mind. Imagine you're about to propose to your girlfriend slash wife, or whatever, or trying to get that fiance going. Uh, and like you share a computer, and then you get that Blue Nile retargeting ad. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, going to spoil a surprise and it could well, be a lot worse I was just thinking that. that when I was sharing that story right now, I had little banners on the side. Stuff I've been looking at. <laughs> yeah. Whips, yeah, exactly. SUVs. There we go, brother. Here we go. Let's, right, go rip, on, let's rip through this quickly. Amazon. So this is just Amazon's largest acquisitions outside of the one medical $4 billion. Uh, Whole Foods for $14 billion. So uh, all I'll say about that is I don't think it's the best acquisition. I think it was a huge price tag. I think uh, it'll be necessary for them down the road but we don't, uh, I'm not including it as the best acquisition. MGM for $9 billion. Also, not crazy about that. What do you guys think about MGM and $9 billion? I don't know yeah, enough about their talk, portfolio. Yeah, What's their like, big stuff? Do you know? James, was it in the James Bond? Bond, yeah. Bond. I think we did an episode Worth on that it. when it happened. Okay, but is it the best? <laughs> I don't feel like it's the best, okay? And I'll tell you guys why. So, uh, IMDB beats that one. I know that. I think yeah, Trung so likes IMDb's that one. IMDB is not even on the list, though. IMDB is one of their first acquisitions, $55 million in 1998. That's so, sick. Yeah, unreal, right? So here, are, here are a couple other ones. Uh, Zappos in 2010, I believe, for $1.2 billion. Zooks, which is autonomous driving, $1.2 billion last couple of years. Twitch. Ooh, I'm going to hit Bilal Stadium with this one. That's yeah. a banger. That's Twitch a is a one. banger for a bill. I can't remember what those. I think it's 2015. Ring is in the last couple of years, $800 million. And then my personal... 
I think Kiva Systems, which is the yeah. robotics. It does all the robots in the warehouse. So for the listener, for the viewers, I'll just uh, play a video of what it looks like now. Uh, it's it's wild. Uh, here is the robots in a in a sort a sorting center right now. Look at that. Isn't that mad? Mate. That's the answers Jack's thing of like it coming at 4 p.m. the same day. Yeah. This is why. Jack's because oh, mate. Yeah, 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 exactly. A little order goes in. Nobody even has to touch it. Boys, I got a good story to tell you about. I worked in one of these for uh, oh, we go. Aldi. Aldi, oh, you know, the, oh. in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Say more. So uh, it's a summer job and you go in in the morning. And there's like the distribution center was in the town I grew up in, in Swindon. So it's like M4 corridor. If you know the layout of the UK, it's like pretty central. Um, I think it was like 70 stores and you go in in the morning and you get like pick lists. So it's like, here's, you got five stores and here's like, you know, two or three pallets of stuff that's going to each store. And uh, you drive a little forklift around, manually load it up and then back the pallets into a loading bay. And then they go in a truck and you get paid by the hour. But I used to work with like three or four lads I went to school with and we try and do it as fast as we could. It's so stupid. Just like racing around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the name End of that getting... uh, British show uh, where you race to collect groceries and then make the food? Oh, Supermarket uh, Sweep. <laughs> yeah, exactly Classic. like that. Oh, I haven't thought about Mate, that for I got 20 some so years. many good stories from that job. Like one guy was like, uh, he had to pack like three pallets of whiskey once and he like smashed a forklift into the side of it. Totaled probably like 50 grand's worth of whiskey and uh, just coming in hungover and not not driving the truck properly but mate, jesus christ great job it was a great job jack so Wait. you've done you've done honda factory and yeah. aldi you said oh, yeah? i've got loads of this stuff man i worked in industrial shredders uh worked in like uh <laughs> so good man, was so many weird jobs i did when i was a kid well that might be in the ama we've got a question yeah. in there for that so we can uh, revisit that in a second Go on, well, let me, what, what's in yeah there? i'll just rip through the uh, well, I'll ask you guys each of these. So these are the three most popular replies. So I threw this. One. I gotta do this more, man. The Twitter hive mind is incredible. Uh, so the three most popular responses by me scanning the uh, answers were Kiva Systems, the robotics one. So that was seven hundred seventy-five million in two thousand and twelve. And the argument is an uh, here's a, a threefold argument. Number one, uh, Amazon took that technology off the market. So these savages. Uh, they had long-term deals, Kiva, with uh, uh, Home Depot and Staples. Amazon just bought Kiva Systems. It's like, those contracts are canceled. Yeah. Yoink. Bezos did. Yeah. So they Bezos them, took this technology off the market, this robotics automation technology. So for the listeners that didn't see it, it's basically these robots that just go around the factory floors. They scan barcodes and can basically just find uh, items for individuals. And I'll tell you why it's important. Because... Uh, a venture capitalist named A.J. Agarwal wrote and said, I asked him, why is this a good deal? He goes, Amazon employs 1 million workers, the majority in fulfillment centers. Kiva, three times the output of one worker. I mean, granted, they three times the output because they're complete savages and give them like five-minute bathroom breaks after nine hours, right? So they triple the productivity of an Amazon worker. And so he gets into it, though. So without Kiva, Amazon would need 3 million people Amazon attrition is 3% a week. So this would imply 5 million workers. 3% a, year. a week, you said? Yeah. <laughs> That's people that? leaving. 3% of the workforce leaves. Yeah. That's They'd mad. run out of people. That's a pretty good argument. Thank you, AJ. I hope I got your name right. So that's his argument. So I think there's twofold. They built an automated robotic system for Jack to get uh, the, whatever he needs the next day without even asking for it. Uh, 
Uh, they took a key competitor off the market, and it's quote unquote only seven hundred seventy-five million versus some of their uh, multi-decabillion acquisitions. So it reminds me of Apple's acquisition of PA semiconductors in two thousand and eight, because not very sexy, not very many people know about it. But PA semiconductor, which they bought for two hundred eighty million, laid the groundwork for Apple's entire chip business, which we've talked about in the past. And now they just- So like the M1, M2 chips have come Everything from that. Everything started from PA Semi, Got their it. team and their designers. So the, te- under, the technology under Kiva Systems is building the retail foundation. So that's the argument. The other two I throw out there is, uh, and I'd love for you guys to opine on this. Ring for the data it collects and its, con- and, and, and its access to the home, that was the argument. And Twitch, this is Bilal Zaidi's zone. Twitch apparently has a 70% market share in online gaming and streaming, which Blau knows how valuable that is and makes, I think, two to three billion a year. So those are in the running. I would love your guys' thoughts. First, let's start with Ring. Do you guys own a Ring? Oh, I don't own a Ring. Jack, you got one? Nah. I, yeah, can I, I just add one more in there, which is not on the same scale, but Audible as well is an oh, yeah. interesting one. Fair enough. I think they bought them only for 300 mil, I think, from when I looked it up. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of agree with what you said with Kiva. Like, that one is one of those unsexy things people don't know about. Well, it's actually quite sexy when you look at the video, but, like, yeah. most people wouldn't know what it is, right? Uh, Audible, though, like, we all, if you think of audiobooks, you, you think of Audible because they are synonymous they with are. it. Yep. And when they bought them, it was just... I actually was working on it at the time when it happened, and it was just... Everyone's like, audiobooks? Like, what are you talking about? And if you think, this is still a very early iPhone... You know, um, and just now, if you think of that whole segment, um, is is Audible. So they they own that, and it's not necessarily about the amount of money they make from the subscription and the number of um, you know subscribers necessarily. It's just the, the whole reason Amazon started with books was because it was a way to get them into the Amazon ecosystem and sell them other stuff. So I think that's an interesting one as well, especially with time spent. I think that's a honourable mention. And then so I would agree with you, Kiva. Twitch is definitely up there. Uh, and then honestly, IMDB is um, is a nice one just from the SEO guy in me. Like yeah. the, you know, like just if you think of a valuable property on the internet, like, you know, any movie you search for that shows up and again, bringing people into the funnel of yep. Prime Video, uh, your Amazon Prime long-term, how valuable that is. Like, I think they, I don't know how they, if they monetize it through like, you know, they could essentially be selling affiliate deals or taking a cut when you click through to Apple or YouTube to buy or rent a movie or something as well. Um, so that's an interesting one, which I think a lot of people don't think about. Let me, uh, let me add on that. Somebody brought up a good point with these other deals. So Kiva is a cost center, uh, uh, but you can, you can tease out the savings like we just did, right? With the amount of employees it saves. But the other ones, the argument, everybody's like, well, there's other ones that make revenue, right? Uh, and Zooks is autonomous driving. That, that could be another big one. Uh, for for cost savings, but the argument, I I I find the MGM. Let's talk about MGM a little bit. MGM, IMDb, Audible, all this content stuff. I mean, there's obviously a way to tease out and put in a spreadsheet the contribution to Amazon's revenue and the moat it builds. But I think all those because there's so many of those pieces that a single one gets diminished. You know what I mean in terms of its impact. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't do deep enough on this. I'm just doing with the hive mind. I feel like Kiva's the one. Uh, but I guess we'll see in 10, 20 years. Jack, what about you, mate? Any last words on that before we do AMA? Loads of ideas, loads of like loads to talk about. I think the like whole foods thing 
is most fascinating to me because I think they'll eventually try and go down market with that, you know, like try and try and build a, it's basically the ultimate subscription business, right? Like we remember we talked about fun, like uh, value investing, like food is the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. And if you have like, if you make that accessible at scale, then it's basically a bulletproof business. So I think that's like the long-term play there, but I remember reading something about why they went, I mean, there, probably there is nothing else to buy at that scale. Right. Yeah. I think distribution centers in the places where whole foods managed to get real estate too, was really a powerful thing. Like they have, uh, secured like quality buildings in like metropolitan, oh, right. really, really high density, um, areas, which is obviously hard to do. Uh, so there could be like mini fulfillment centers, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the access that it gives you to those consumers, like at the high end of the disposable income scale as well, I think it's part of the play. And then just like the ring and all of those ideas, as you were talking, it made me think about like, uh, uh, like what their strategy is over a hundred years. And it's like vertically integrate the entirety of commerce, right? It's like yeah. own the thing end to end have the, have the packages fulfilled automatically, have them delivered automatically, have them let into the house automatically with the ring software, and then have like the prime lock-in where you're getting like thousands of dollars of value for $200 a month or whatever it is. And I think that stat that comes out every year where they raise the price of prime and they don't lose any subscribers or they add subscribers or something is just indicative of how like sticky that product yeah. is it like that and everybody's seen the customer focus you know bezos rants about like just make it as good as you can possibly make it and no one will ever leave and like that seems to be true i think even more so people like this is like revealed preferences thing you know a lot of people complain about at the effect of amazon but everybody uses it I think yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of contradiction in how people feel about it and talk about it, and then they actually end up uh, sending is, their dollars what, to Amazon. Intent, as Bilal Zidi would say. Indeed, indeed. What, uh, the crazy thing is, Jack. What you're saying is, I think it's the, f I think they just announced that they're going to be putting up the prices right in Europe because of inflation and stuff. And I don't know if they've done that much before. Trung, you might know, um, but it's like. I'm curious to see how that actually hits the numbers because just narrative wise, like even just from the UK, like I still follow obviously very closely with friends and family, like the narrative there is of a price, uh, was it cost of living crisis is like the phrase that's being used and like, mm. you know, it's kind of happening everywhere. But in the UK, like it's the way like the credit crunch and like these, these kind of things that we all, or austerity, like there were all these things that you, that just stick in people's minds and it feels like that's already there with the uk especially as they go into this election stuff uh with the conservative party new leader and you know stuff like that so i'm curious that like, even like a one pound increase i'm curious how many people are going to be like oh there's already like a negative sentiment to a lot of like big tech stuff there mm -hmm. as well in europe i'm curious like how many people actually cut their subscription or as trunk said earlier like a lot of people say stuff but their yeah. the actual like, behavior is different, you know? Um, yeah, so yeah, it'd be like, interesting to see that. Their distribution is like, uh, just a, like their ability to negotiate with their distribution is I think 
the thing that drives the ability to lock people into like, I'm going to cancel Netflix and Hulu and keep prime, yeah. you know, to justify yeah. the price increase of prime because I get X delivered through there. And it may be even like if medicine becomes a part of that mix and all of these like things that would be, um, cumulatively more expensive than prime. If they're able to like use the network, like that robotics acquisition, it's like that company is worth a hundred times to Amazon, what it would be to anyone else. Mm, and yeah. the, like, man, I just find that fascinating. Like when to sell a business to, like if you're the robotics company, you can keep grinding out and being like, Hey, we're going to do contracts with this retailer and Staples, this retailer and this retailer. <laughs> It's going to be like an absolute horrendous grind or you can get a billion dollar check and Amazon's just like, leave it to us. See you later. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's like, a really good point. You kind of like just wrapped it up in there, but just the, the what stood out for me, what you just said there is like the, what it's worth to someone else versus yeah. one other person. It's like, yeah, people uh, that like, you can apply that to so many things like your job, your negotiating salary, like but lots of personal things but especially for business like if you're selling a company or you're buying a company like like that is such a huge leverage point like we if you're sold in that an fish. asset to a willing buyer at the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly fair market value <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. wait so i'd add this i want to add this to jack's point which is so true but so i i, I think jack something you brought up and i, I didn't really consider it in the whole pursuit you have the long game in, right? It's like, we let's actually think 100 years from now how people look back at these deals. If these companies are around, who knows? We might all be in the metaverse. But if they were still around, uh, the, the thing about Whole Foods is that it's because perishable uh, goods, uh, fruits, vegetables, meats, is so different than books, electronics, right? All that perishable stuff is a totally different game, right? It actually was uh, Amazon's biggest Achilles heel, as in you could... What could you argue that somebody can make a better bundle of, right? Then Prime is like, oh, if somebody, if Walmart figured out fresh foods, they have a more compelling offering than Prime, right? And then we're talking about all this, like uh, uh, people cutting uh, certain subscriptions. They might just be like, hey, man, Walmart's hooking me up with food and all this other random stuff uh, that I get day to day. Maybe I'll cut them. So defensive play makes a lot of sense too. That, uh, but the last thing I want to ask was Bilal about Twitch and, uh, and game streaming. So that might be actually in terms of revenue generating. That's a beast. And a profitability. And it almost like a sleeping giant in a way too, because yeah. it's still like live on the internet. It's still quite small relative to, if you think of live TV and like previous media, essentially. So for t basically that could be one where you look back and like, this is as good as the YouTube acquisition. Yeah, I think personally it won't be as big as that, but I do think it is really under, like you don't think about it as much and you're like, oh damn, they basically own that whole segment. And like you said, the if you think of it on the metric of time spent and engagement is is up there, I do think YouTube's kind of its own beast, you know, but because YouTube also kind of dominates in gaming and stuff as well. And you could argue that when if they really leaned into the live element on YouTube more than they currently do, like they have the option to do that, but if they really went for it, they could also take some of Twitch's um, share in that. But I just think there's like a thing with Twitch where that's where people go to do that sort of stuff at the moment. But yeah, it's a definitely a, a big one. I think I think uh, the live component is like, that's the most sleeping giant aspect of the platform where- For, for Twitch or YouTube? 
in ge- like media in general, oh, like yeah. the ability to produce at the speed you need to produce to stay relevant, you may as well just go live. Mm, so I think yeah. that trend is coming where it's like, okay, we went from our produced videos to five minutes to one minute to 15 seconds to now just like, just turn the camera on. Stream it, and stream it live, yeah. Black Mirror, yeah. pay your little tokens <laughs> in real time. Like, I think that is like just in the same way, like businesses chop away at friction, like media is going in mm, that direction a, too. That's a great frame for it. So I think yeah, Twitch other, will age very, very well for that. The other thing sure. is the engagement. Like if you see people giving, like, if you, I, like uh, this is a funny example, but after an Arsenal game, there's one guy called Hugh Wizzy, who's a hilarious dude, who used to be in like traditional media. And um, he's really, really good at just turning the camera on and he'll stream the whole game. And then after the game, he'll keep going. And he, he has like a three hour stream and he'll get like 50,000 people watching it, which for live is crazy it's incredible. huge. Yeah, it's it's very, incredible. very big. And maybe Wait, just, that's not just like- Just playing what game? No, no, that, that's like, it's like Commentating commentary on the real of, yeah. game Unreal. happening. And to be fair, it's normally not 50,000 people live at the time, but like cumulatively coming in and out. And then, you know, I guess probably watching it after, he'll, he'll still get like hundreds of thousands of views. But just a lot of people don't realize like the numbers for live is just so much smaller in terms of, you know, getting someone to turn up at a certain time is, is a difficult thing. Uh, and obviously on demand is why, you know, YouTube and podcasts especially are great because people can listen to them in their own convenience. But yeah, but the engagement of someone being there with you listening, I mean, Jack and I did it once um, for Creator Lab and I know us three have done one Twitter spaces once as well. Um, but just like the engagement you get, there is something really cool about it. Uh, but from the creator's point of view, it's also a mad effort. And it's, it's insane. Like, it's just, a, there's a certain type of, there's good and bad, but like the stress of it, it's like something going wrong. Like that, the, your, especially as me who I'm like, on my podcast, I'm the one who's responsible for making sure it sounds good and yeah, yeah. you know there's no issues. Um, like there is an element of stress that you're not getting with like a recorded thing, but there's also the interactivity of it is pretty cool too, so. Well, I the, think, the, and also what grow, what's grown it is video games where it's like, you don't have to plan. It's just like, the, I just fire up just the playing. thing and play and there's mm, something to true. do. And then there's little questions pop in and you answer them. And it's like this, uh, you're coasting off this massive cultural object as well. Fortnite, it gets bigger. Then there's like an interesting streamer that plays it. You don't have to like, this is not me saying that Twitch streamers aren't necessarily like incredible entertainers, but there is that like, you're great at this thing and you can just fire up the game and play. And there's like multiple ways to engage people than like reading scripts or coming up with bits or like having good questions being asked. It's it's an interesting, like uh, there's momentum that you can ride without being the most creative and original uh, entertainer. Yeah, it's a different flow. It's a different flow. Even like there's been a few recent ones we've shared with each other where there's like a Twitch streamer uh, but they've got like guests on and stuff like that. And like the style of it is, it's still very much like a stream. It's like a three, four hour stream versus, you know, it's like you're hanging out with them and they're talking yeah, about yeah. stuff versus like a podcast where you've cut out some of the fat or whatever. Um, anyway, boys, I think we should move on to the AMA because I feel like we could talk about it for an hour more. But yeah, let us know what you think of that. What is your favorite at all the best acquisition? Not obviously the biggest because we've already shared that. But like, what do you think is the best one? and why you can put it in the comments below. Um, all right, boys, AMA, we got some killer ones here. Let's start off with a fun one. Kamal asked, how did you make your first dollar? 
the, I want to clarify. I'm not sure if he means um, any dollar or pound in our case or whatever. Um, Let's do or, online and offline. Below. Yeah, because that is your your question that you always say is had you know making your first dollar online will change your life or something. What what you say, Jack? Yeah, yeah. Make your first dollar on the internet. A tiny goal that will change your life. Make your first That's dollar it. on the internet. Yeah. That's it. All right. Go for it. Uh, Trug, you want to go first, mate? No, no, no. This is Jack's domain. He right, owns Jack. the meme. Wow. Yeah, Actually, you know what, though? Bilal predates the internet money phenomena by many internet years money. for me. Ooh, no, wait, wait. Jack, Jack's first dollar was at Aldi. Uh, playing super Aldi, or, uh, you know what honda factory my, i was in media distribution before that boys paper round <laughs> yeah big media <laughs> distribution <laughs> i knew that was coming wait how old were you though seven uh 12 i was probably yeah 10 11 something like that um but before i don't know what i was doing before that but i had so many weird jobs paper round worked at hairdressers worked in uh supermarket all sorts of weird stuff but first dollar on the internet I think it was, uh, I mean, technically visualized value, I think three years ago, selling a PDF for nine bucks, I think was my first, wow. uh, uh, you know, I ran a few experiments. I did a like t-shirt business once where I might've sold like one t-shirt or something, but the first like memorable one that was a repeatable thing was, uh, was the first visualized value product. What was the PDF? Is that the... Um, Daily Manifest. Daily like Manifest. You still got document. that? Still there. Yeah, it's free now. So if anyone wants to, visualizevalue.com. Yeah, nice. And there's it. also a... There's an app someone made, which yeah, if you yeah, prefer the non-digital or you prefer the digital version. Um, people put it into Notion databases. There's a bunch of different uh, spin-offs of it now. Um, and for the, yeah. our youngest, younger listeners, Paper Round, could you describe what that was, mate? Because uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people don't even know what, what so, that is. So there was, a, there was a paper called The Evening Advertiser in uh, a town I grew up in. <laughs> what a Shout terrible out. name. Evening <laughs> Advertiser. The Adver, for sure, it was called. And uh, like the village I lived in was just carved up into different routes. And uh, after school, I'd go around this woman's house and there'd be a bag of papers there, pick them up. Get go, on your bike. Get on your bike, mate. Ride a mile. Deliver like eighteen papers. Drive back to the house, and then I think I was getting paid like eight pound a week or something. So it's probably about <laughs> eight pound a week. Oh, I was savagely savage. So I was Wait, like probably eight pounds a week. That's eight pound mad. a week, five nights. So it was like, yeah, it's pretty savage uh, working conditions there. But I had a good time. But that's uh, when that would get you what what eight thousand penny sweets from the corner shop. A little was I uh, buying with that? Coca Cola uh, bottles or whatever they called. Probably twenty five p jammy dodgers. You know, get the get uh, the whole go. rack of jammy dodgers. Uh, yeah, probably um, mostly little spent on that. Money. Maybe put it towards you know a little Pokemon cards or Pogs. You know what I'm saying? Love I that. had some Pogs, son. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. Tazos. Tazos as well. Yeah. Get a little yo-yo going. Learn some tricks. All right, that was a good one. Uh, Trung, what about you, man? I know you did your your internship. It. We talked about, no, but there I must have been some other ones. My first dollar. All right, so I'll say this: my uh, my parents were refugees to Canada. My old man was a doctor. He cared about education so much. He's like, get these kids into Kumon, you know, like Kumon math stuff. Like, get them into extracurriculars. Oh yeah. There's all this stuff. He's like, he never actually forced us to work, which looking back, we, I've actually had a shout that we kind of regret it. 
Like he's like, I should have made you guys work more. Like instead of just like covering everything, but like I didn't really start looking for work until like 16 or 17, 18 years old. And it's all because my during the summer between schools, you have nobody to hang out with because all your buddies have summer jobs, right? So I started picking up all these random summer jobs. I couldn't, I couldn't get a job where my, my friends were working at restaurants and stuff. I couldn't even get jobs at restaurants. Like I was dusty. Like your boy Trung was dusty. dusty. So, <laughs> so my very first job, uh, one of these summers, maybe grade nine or 10, I, I, I went, I, I painted. You guys have these things in your towns where like a kid figures out that the high schoolers are cheap labor. So they act as like the, uh, as interface. The broker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The broker. So they just get teams of kids to paint. But like, man, do not ask Trunk Fan to put primer in your house. Like, <laughs> 15 year old Trunk putting primer in your house, you're going to have to redo that job. So I quit that job after three days. I hated it. And then, uh, oh, this one's funny. I actually did right after I did something that Jack did, uh, similar. I delivered phone books and, and uh, I threw up my back delivering phone books. <laughs> phone books, man. That yeah. is really aging. You just there. like, we literally, like, my mom. Phone book, like the yellow well, pages. I got my, I, I like outsourced my mom to drive me to the location and get the phone books and then like just stash thousands of phone books in our garage and start handing them out. Um, Incredible. And then let me, isn't la- it crazy uh, that we had a phone book? Sorry, just real quick. I know. I, nuts. I haven't thought about it. Like yellow pages or Thompson, whatever it was called. Yeah. The fact that you would look up a business or like before Google maps, we'd have the A to Z we'd call it. I don't know what it's called here. And you'd be in the car and your mom is trying to like go yeah, to like find A6 on the coordinates and be like, take the right and you, you go the wrong way. It's crazy. And you remember, the, that was uh, you remember when people used to name their business based on that as well, like Aardvark, carpet cleaners or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's smart. It's like the domain. My, Michael yeah. Saylor would appreciate yeah. that. Let me, uh, let me add two last ones uh, just for your laughter. My first job out of college university was construction i did six weeks of construction to put together five thousand to move to vietnam <laughs> but you guys will laugh i did the construction for a producer of the movie speed 2 no <laughs> so i'm sitting on that's incredible I, I dug out this guy's basement and i listened to jim rome for six straight weeks I literally my job was to dig out somebody's basement they wanted to nice hire nice me. but uh i'll teach you I, some skills there man you the need last that. thing i'll add is this is like you know when Somebody's working, this little Asian guy, and you're the producer of Speed 2. You're not trying to talk to this little Asian dude digging out your basement. I'm just sitting on his deck eating lunchtime, and he's getting out to work. He has a Speed 2 bag. And I just go, Speed 2 is tight. Just looks at me. He's like, fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 uh, and then, yeah, that's fine. I, and then the last thing, super quickly, the first dollar on the internet. I mean, I don't know. Te- technically, it's probably like, like ads for my newsletters. Like I don't, I've never done like a PDF like Jack, but I did it. I took my dad's credit card and sold Air Jordans on eBay. Does that count? I don't know. That's yeah, like that definitely yeah, that's counts. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Love that one. All right. I'll do mine really quickly. First dollar. I mean, honestly, it's hard to remember the, like what order this stuff came in. So I'd probably say like offline, it was like I would sell CDs at school. So I'd go down to Stratford, which is in East London, where the Olympics were actually. Before the Olympics, it was a little different back then. And uh, you would go, they had a, a Sunday computer fair, I think. And I'd go with my brother and we would get like a stack of CDRs or CDRWs. <laughs> Do you remember those? For like five pounds, oh, for like a yeah. hundred or something. And then I would uh, 
make playlists and sell them to kids at school and they were like very happy like sell them for five pounds or something like that that was probably one of the first and then the second one uh was sim cards which i've probably maybe talked about it on here before but i would sell specifically for the uk people that are our age would remember there's there was something called o2 genie sim cards so before you had unlimited text and unlimited calls and stuff it was really expensive to text right so you would top up 10 pounds to get 300 free texts and that was like what all the kids used anyway and you, but a lot of people didn't know this but you could go on o2.co.uk follow a few steps and get six delivered to you for free Jeez. and uh as a student and i would send them to, to home and then to my neighbors and then sell them a score for 10 pounds you, you remember the cd <laughs> where you order the cds to your house you guys oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an abandoned next door neighbor. I just started sending shit to that house and like, yo, I just roll up there. Yo, thank you. Thank you. That's what you got to do. Yeah, so that one. And then I will say uh, that one was quite fun because then there was a guy who is actually, I've, I've, I've seen him pop up on my YouTube recently uh, with like hundreds of thousands of views on his on his video he's been interviewed now and he used to sell the sim cards for me in his year group so i would give it to him for 10 and he would sell it for more i was like wherever you sell it for more you like just sell it as much as you can and you get to keep the profit so he would be selling it to all these kids at school so those were two understood ones. wholesale and resale <laughs> yeah, at a young exactly. age <laughs> and and then so that was probably like 11 12 or something um and then online we've talked about 100 times before but yeah selling the stuff on ebay then the little e-commerce site that i had that was yeah we've talked about before so bling, you can't bling, know the answer king. bling bling king turn street vibes and uh, and the other one arsenal review that i would say that one <laughs> a lot of people don't know was my arsenal site that had half a million users on it it was like quite big uh, 25 writers and i used to sell ads directly to people like you know banner ads and stuff and obviously adsense that never made that much money, but it was, you know, that was some money online. And I kind of learned about AdSense, which is quite a big, that actually yeah. helped me a lot in the future. And just understanding how like banner ads and programmatic advertising works and stuff like that. Um, so those were the two, probably the Wait, two early question. ones. Go wow, on. when, you, uh, when you were the first uh, Google employee ever to show up at a Google interview wearing a suit, <laughs> did you bring up the AdSense thing? It's like, they're like, hey, so have you ever interacted with uh, Google properties? Like, oh, definitely. I used to run a very popular blog about Arsenal, the football club. And let me tell you about AdSense. You brought it up, didn't you? I think it was on my resume, like for sure, because it was honestly very relevant skills. Because <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, I was like a student, uh, just finished university, and it was, I learned SEO, honestly, not in a bad way, but like, most people have never driven a site like that much traffic and all of yeah. the traffic came from seo and stuff like that so learning about that was super relevant to to what i was ended up doing so yeah i definitely i don't know if i brought it up especially but it was on my resume for sure as like experience you know well we're very impressed by your resume uh you didn't have to wear a suit today but thank you for coming <laughs> <laughs> exactly all right boys next question jack this is the big one people have been asking for this so this is jack nft transparency time there were three questions about this uh so i'm going to break them down dustin and warren essentially are something similar so i'm just going to read out in all caps we need a play-by-play -play breakdown of all the nfts all the nfts you bought pull out the spreadsheet what did each ape turn into tricky because of the mutants and dogs regrets and mistakes <laughs> welcome to and uh, the other two were kind of quick ones like will jack buy nfts again and what NFT projects are you watching at the moment? So maybe mm. we start with, I don't know, it's up to you, whichever one you prefer. 
You know, I could get, like, I don't have a spreadsheet, but you could check the uh, visualizevalue.eth, <laughs> yeah. jckbtchr.eth. <laughs> so the board Apes, I bought, I think the first time we had on the podcast, um, had 18 of them to begin with. That was the first That's time we mad. talked about That's it. <laughs> at the peak, how much was that 18 portfolio worth? Uh... I mean, probably at the peak, probably close to 10 million bucks. Oh, my. <laughs> wait, I was about to, That's mad. Wait, 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 wait. wait. 18 times what? Because it was worth, the, what, half a I million? I think the floor of them got to 400K at one point. Uh, so... And, and they weren't all like, there were a couple special ones in there. Here's your clip for the week, by the way. <laughs> so you had a 10 million board a portfolio, but what I were you? I, I didn't ever, I didn't ever have, I didn't have 18 at that time. When okay, I, okay. when I first got them, I had 18 and I like, you know, got back to a cost basis a couple weeks or months after acquiring the first, like all of them. And then I would, I probably sold two close to the very top and the rest were like kind of just, just, uh, leading up to that. Um, so that, I mean that, that trade or that set of trades is like basically eclipsed every single other thing in the, You've ever done in the portfolio for sure. Yeah. I've except for building visualized value for sure. And that's, and the house that you sit in right now, was funded partially by, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and now I think that I think, uh, I think the floor of it is probably closer to 100, 120 something. So they really were crazy. And, um, this part of the part of the thing to really assess how well or badly you did is to calculate the value of ethereum across that time too because it fluctuated a good amount as well like in ethereum terms that those those investments haven't obviously fluctuated anywhere near as much as they have in dollar terms um there was a couple other projects i got pasted on uh like there was this one run in CryptoPunks where i was like Oh, I'm 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 a genius. I'm gonna start like buying and flipping and selling these. I think that's called a euphoria phase, mate. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there was, I think it was July or August last year where I bought, I bought a CryptoPunk real early, relative to what it got to. Not like, you know, not like ten dollars early. Not like, not like 2017, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like early 2020, and uh, I should have just stuck with that one. That was a great. That was a great buy. I still actually have that first one. And then like, I saw it running and I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm smart enough to like, to buy and flip these on the way up. And I did it three times. So I was like, Oh, I made 10 Ethereum on that one, 20 Ethereum on this one, 25 and then bought the Pico top. And then the whole thing collapsed. Um, and then I ended up selling that last one for like, uh, to offset some, some, uh, gains on the 31st of December last year and then bought tax back in harvesting tax loss harvesting. Um, and then what else is there? we got the toads. We're, we're still, uh, we're still up on toads. I bought Tom Sachs, the rocket. That's a good one. How's that doing? How's that doing? It's good. Actually. Like they just, uh, closed the, um, 
like the ability to trans to to get the NFT trans converted into a physical rocket. I actually missed the deadlines. I just don't pay attention to that stuff. As are much you gonna as I take? To. Are you gonna take the physical? I can't. I missed the deadline now, so I'm bothered. Oh. But I got the maybe the Virgin NFT will be worth something one day. Um, the what other projects have there been? I've collected a few like one of one artists that are all like. 10, 20, 30 year, like I think will be incredibly relevant in time. And I just love the stuff. So I'm trying to get some frames to put those up in the house. Nice. Um, Wait, when you say frames, are they digital frames or they're like physical art? Yeah, digital, digital frames. So like square, like panels. I'm trying to get some of those, um, uh, you know, the Samsung frames. Have you seen those? Like the smart like, frames or? Yeah, but they have, this is called the Samsung frame TV where it has like a matte finish. I haven't seen it's, that. No, it's amazing. Cool. So if you like have a look, um, when they're off, you can just display art on them and it's very hard to tell them apart from an actual canvas. The way the oh, light, wow. it Wait, what are they called? The I'm going to look it up right Samsung now. Samsung frame TV, I think, or it's the frame or something, but that will, that will pull it up. Um, yeah. What else happened? So yeah, the apes by far, a, uh, by far the, the best return. You've made seven figures on the apes. Garen. We will just put that. We don't have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Listen, we're all gentlemen here, people. Listeners, we're all gentlemen and ladies. We don't need to tease out the numbers of seven figures. Um, what is your lesson from the past 18 months? You, you've talked about it a little bit, building versus betting, but in hindsight, how do you feel about the entire experience? Hmm. I think the there's like it's very difficult sometimes to tell the difference between instinct and euphoria, you know? So like you can, I think there are people who are very articulate and write about financial markets where like everybody thinks they're a genius in a bull market, right? You've seen that before. Um, and it really teaches you the idea that there are just outliers and outsized returns that lie in individual um, asset classes, actions, asset class, not even asset classes, but like assets within asset classes, right. That, that keep the whole thing afloat and this whole idea of where culture goes and how like NFTs were just such a profound example of like attention and how fickle it is and how fast it moves. And like, adding that accelerant of like capital into like the way memes move around the internet. I'm honestly reasonably surprised how well some of that stuff has held up through like what's what we're seeing in the broader market, right? Like they, it feels like they've stood the test to me of like NFTs as an asset class has stood the test of like horrific volatility and people still, uh, people still believe in their uh, in the future upside there. Well, for the platinum uh, ones, right? For the platinum, for like the big, the blue chip ones. Yeah, the ones that are just like part of culture now and not like in the same way that certain artists or certain pieces of art were indicative of a moment in time and just have been cemented that way. Um, my personal thesis is that like punks fit that criteria where it's like there is no execution risk with that whatsoever now it's just a collectible like a pokemon card that over a certain period of time is just a cultural artifact that 
had a tremendous amount of attention directed at it. Um, whereas some of these other collections have so much execution risk and they're, uh, you know, we're going to build a game. We're going to build a merchandise line. We're going to license it to this, this, and this, we're going to get this celebrity to buy it and that celebrity. So, um, I think a lot of that was post learning. And even in the early episodes where we talked about it, the like rosy eyed use cases for things, I really, I think, feel obvious at the time. And then um, I don't think any of the stuff that we talked about early on didn't come true. I think a lot of it is still in the works, but it's very interesting to see how attention and interest and um, momentum can just be, just be, just collapse away. based yeah. on like the financial activity and the thing. And that's the double-sided risk that we've always talked about where it's like, you want 10,000 shareholders in your project, you better wake up every day and have something exciting to tell them. Cause if you don't, they're going to get pissed off. And that like that, uh, those feedback loops work on the way up and the way down. And that's uh, a big lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, I could talk about it at length, but I think that basically summarizes it. Like, Yes, I captured a good amount of upside, but I lost a good amount of money as well, like on a couple of things that I had mega high conviction on. Yeah. Um, but the, the lesson, biggest one being probably that that punk you just mentioned, yeah? Yeah. The yeah, tax yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say yeah. how much it was? Or I think I, I think it's probably a, at the time was like 200 grand loss. Down base. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you did like... Again, if that would have been the only bet you made, it would have been catastrophic. But if you think about it at like Yeah, in the wider spectrum, wider and that's the hardest thing to do, like if you want to call it that. You got if you can think in percentages and not dollar amounts, I think that's uh, a very powerful skill to have. Uh and everything I think works that way. That's something that um even people building their own businesses, right? Like they get you get seduced by the number, the amount, the like, oh, let's raise X amount of money, it's like, well, how much money are you going to keep? How much money are you making? How much money, uh, like how much of this is like a promise of something that's going to eventually happen versus, you know, something that you're making happen in real time. Today. So I think yeah. that's definitely been a big lesson is, uh, and so, and I think I, we said this on one of the other podcasts is like, you know, when you're not a, you're not built to trade, like you're, your uh, personal appetite or ability to wake up and stare at numbers and charts and things of that nature. Like if you don't have that in you, then your investing strategy should be very different of, you know, similar to what I think you articulate as your approach below. It's like, I have conviction. I'm buying this and I'm locking it up. And in 10 years time, we'll see where it is. Yeah, that was uh, the upside not, or downside. Yeah. That was yeah, the this is not my anyway. rent money. This is not why I'm depending on to like pay my bills. So, um, Again, I also talked about how fortunate I was to have made money in the native currency in which I was continuing to make bets in the ecosystem. I wasn't like taking, you know, going to HSBC and saying, hello, can I withdraw, you know, $20,000 and turn that into Ethereum and then like buy a bunch of cartoons. That's uh that would have felt a little different. I think I definitely did a few, did that a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but now I get what you're saying. No, yeah, you so were that, making, that, you were selling NFTs, earn ETH, and you were able to then reinvest some of that into 
the ecosystem essentially. And I think that helps you. Like that also gives you a level of conviction that a lot of other people don't have, don't, don't ever get. Right? Like yeah, you're you, seeing it firsthand. You're a participant in the ecosystem. You have personally like being this thesis has been validated personally um you made something that is deemed to have value in this ecosystem so that gives you a higher level of conviction participating in other parts of the ecosystem so that like yeah in hindsight that would have taken that level of risk had i not been involved in that way i would say the answer is probably no and i would i've even found out about this stuff if i hadn't been messing around with it yeah, there's completely. no chance like you know when people say like i was on uh you know i went to walked into a lecture in a in uh, my computer programming course in 2010 or 2009 and they were talking about bitcoin like right place right time with a compelling uh explanation you're like yeah i'll chuck it i'll chuck in a little bit on that that sounds like uh that sounds interesting and the risk to you relative to your entire standing in economically is is not that significant um but same same story of greed and you know like you can you can get to a position on paper where you can dramatically change your life and and for whatever reason sometimes your brain overrides it and is like what if it went up twice again or the five eyes. times again? Oh, yeah, <laughs> and like I, I think that's like a big meme, right? Take profits. It's a huge meme, and it, I think it's separating the idea of like, are you doing this to make income in the short term? Are you like speculating on a trend that you think is uh, going to be short-lived? But do you have the like? Do you have the I don't even know what the word, like stomach, I guess, to look at it every day. Because if you're trading it short term, I can't really forget about it. Um, but my barometer, which I think I've explained before, is like as soon as I'm like thinking about it when I'm going to sleep, the exposure is has exceeded too, my That's appetite. a great test. Yeah, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, trying, I think you're, 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 oh, mu- I'm you're saying, muted. That's a, Morgan, that's a Morgan Housel test, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it must be, yeah. I, uh, I must have got it from psychology of money is that yeah. yeah yeah so i i agree with that thesis if it's like um, disturbing your sleep or you're thinking about it first thing or last thing then you're overexposed yeah jack just to, to close that off then thanks for sharing that um the mikhail had asked will jack be buying nfts again i think that's probably a sure answer but just to confirm is that i yes? still buy them now and again <laughs> yeah. it's just uh like honestly my time is just uh allocated differently now so i'm buying stuff that is more um like buying art really at the moment like the collectible stuff is uh you have to be so so close to it to really understand the nuance of it and i had just i'm just my head is not in it right now yeah fair enough all right mate that was a good thanks for sharing that uh we'll move on now dinesh had asked i'm assuming this one was for me why did you leave google bro um so i guess i i think i must have spoken about this before but um the short answer is i was ready for the next chapter i'd been there for seven over seven years um i was probably ready two years before that but i didn't have a green card so i wasn't able to leave straight away um and i will say though that kind of helped me a little bit because by the time i left i was at sounds very cliche by now but like running to something 
versus running away. Like, whereas two years before, I wasn't loving my job and I might have been running away from that versus finding something better and being like, oh, that sounds really attractive. So that's kind of like the summary of it. The more detailed answer is, uh, after meeting the founder of Chai Water, which is where I went to straight after Google, uh, I met him on the podcast in 2015 or 16. Um, he was basically, out of all the really impressive people I had interviewed, he was the one that like kind of blew me away and it surprised me the most. And uh, just that his energy and like what he was doing, it was also a time in my life I was probably, you know, I'm younger, more idealistic. I'm trying to um, do something drastically different. I also wanted to be somewhere smaller with less people. So Charitable had like 100 people versus, you know, 100,000 people at Google. So that was another big reason. Uh, but honestly, I was really like kind of blown away by the mission and stuff. And I was like, wow, that would be kind of cool while I can afford to do it, to work on that for a few years. And I thought that I would have more impact just spending my time doing it than being able to give the money to it, which is an interesting debate because there's obviously, um, you know, our boy SBF talks a lot about earning as much money as you can to like give it away essentially. Um, which I think is cool. Uh, and he's obviously doing that at a crazy scale. For me, at that particular moment in my life, it was not that. It was more like, oh, I, sp I have these skills and they need someone like me to help them at the moment. And in the time I was there, I'd probably help raise more money than I could probably ever give in my lifetime give as well. So, give a number. Oh, I mean, it was tens of millions that oh. like we helped raise for the charity. But that was not just me, obviously. It was like the whole team. But yeah, it was yeah pretty cool and even just like direct things that i did directly like i've talked about on the pod before like that one or two million dollar gift in bitcoin that we received that was directly something i did you know and that was again i'm not giving a million dollars in in bitcoin anytime soon and to be able to like spot that opportunity pounce on it convince the person and then be able to do that like you know tens of thousands of people got clean wall because of that one proactive action and so stuff like that was kind of what I was seeking. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the answer. But I, it was a combination of like the mission, wanting to be in a smaller place, career progression in a way too, because I was taking on quite a senior leadership role, managing a bigger team. Um, and like I had full ownership of the strategy, which was quite important to me because I wanted to be able to like develop that part of my skill set as well. Um, and then honestly, like the management stuff was something that I hadn't done much of and being able to do that was another kind of um, up leveling my own skills as well. So it kind of like hit all the areas and you, you never get 10 out of 10 for everything, but it was like an eight or nine for a lot of things. I would say like the conversation part was the part where I needed it to be enough, but knowing I wasn't going to maximize my compensation there, obviously, though it was still very well paid for uh, that industry. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the main reason I moved moved on. And a charismatic cat, right? Just a charismatic dude. Oh yeah, insane. Are you talking about Scott, the, yeah. the guy? Oh yeah, he's incredible. Like just uh, his skill set is up there with anyone I've seen speak live and uh, get in a room with him as well. Like the amount of times I went in a meeting with him and it's what? just me and him and two, one other guy and like just, you know, very high level people, like, you know, people we've all heard of and the way he's able to convince them and sh tell a story essentially um, is like second to none. I, Reality distortion field? Or is, or can we use a that? Probably a little bit, but, um, but in a positive way, like not in like yeah. the Steve Jobs way where you're like, what are you talking about? But kind of like <laughs> challenging you to think bigger sort of way. 
And I mean, kind of what he did without boring people is just like very revolutionary in that space. And uh, he, he's done a lot of really cool stuff. So yeah, that was the main reason. Um, all right. You know, word, hold on, gone. let me add one word. When you're talking about going to rooms with him, the first word that came to my mind, our term was glad handing. <laughs> glad handing. <laughs> you're glad handing. Just shaking hands, kissing babies. Just like, yeah, man, yeah, exactly. Young, young Bill Clinton on the campaign trail. I don't want to use a negative. But <laughs> yeah. 90s Clinton, man. That, but yeah. The charisma oh, was Oh, he was going in. Oozy. He was going in. <laughs> For sure. All right. Next question. We got ETH or BTC. Max asked ETH or BTC if you had to pick only one long term. I mean, that is a difficult uh, I think all of our faces. I feel like we've touched this a couple of times, but yeah, it's it's Bitcoin. If I had to pick, it's just like if you didn't listen to our podcast with Michael Saylor, I would direct you in that general vicinity. Because um, what is the uh, what is the issuance policy of Ethereum? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, so you can't that, have an ever mutating protocol. Okay, you cannot have an ever mutating protocol. This is not investment protocol. advice, but I will say that my frame for it is though: Are you trying to minimize downside or are you trying to maximize upside? Because for me, that Bilal, would be a different answer. The answer the question, please, Bilal. <laughs> I will well, answer honestly, and I could be completely wrong, but if I had to pick one, which I wouldn't, I'd pick both and do 50-50 split, ideally. In the, if someone put a gun to my head, I had to pick one, I would, at the moment, still pick ETH, uh, just because I think there's more upside, and that is the part of my portfolio where I'm trying to maximize upside. If I'm trying to hold it like gold, then of course, Bitcoin's probably not going to zero, and uh, kind of leads the whole market. So f for that frame, I would... I would do that. But yeah, obviously I would pick both as well. Jack, what about you, mate? You got a, a quick one on this? Not a quick one, no. Like, I feel this is hard now because I'm the uh, deciding vote here. But I would say my personal level of exposure. It's a hard answer. It's a hard you, answer. You probably have way more ETH than Bitcoin, no? Partly because you also earn in ETH. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think I'm gonna have to go with the Bitcoin myth, boys. <laughs> All right, fair. Yep, yep. Okay, we got we got two to I, one here. I suspected he was gonna say Bitcoin because listeners and viewers, every single time. We record and we bring up Sailor. Like after the recording, Jack just goes, man, every time I listen to Sailor, I feel like I need to buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just our podcast, like any piece of Sailor media, like go Sailor on Fox, Sailor on NBC, CNBC, Sailor, Robert Breedlove, wherever Sailor is, Lex Friedman, Jack listens. It's like, I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think, you know, the last episode we did and when we listened to him like i think i have more optimism for the things that can be built in the ethereum ecosystem that i would make that statement and stand by that i also believe that the way in which that was established can be replicated in a way that bitcoin can't be so that yeah, would be my answer that's a great point yeah, I, that's a very, very good point. 
Um, but yeah, to, to caveat my my uh, w- thing from before, obviously I would not pick either. I would pick both. But yeah, I mean, uh, I I agree with what you said there. Uh, that's a safe bet. All I right, love let's... Jack. Uh, hold on. I love Jack putting your feet to the fire. Bilal, answer the question. <laughs> we all say 50-50, Bilal. Yeah, we, we got a biology portfolio well, well, going. What is the intent? Or what are you uh, What are you saying on Google? What are you doing on Amazon? That's the difference, yeah, yeah. buddy. That's, that's true. true. That's true. All that's right. True. Um, Monitor, uh, Zaid Admani, our, oh, boy, our boy, who's an amazing TikToker, by the way. If you're not following on TikTok, you should definitely go check out his stuff. He said, plans to monetize the podcast. Very good question. Uh, I think it's a good one to share with people because I think, uh, well, as people know, we've done this for a year and a half. We haven't monetized at all. We Obviously, it cost us money as well. Um, we've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on editing well, and say, not obviously a lot our time. Let's put the number. So we spent 3000 and a lot of Bilal Zaidi's unpaid time. So yeah. <laughs> $3,000 to an editor, uh, uh, overseas editor that Bilal Zaidi has managed. Well, me and Jack. Well, it's been a few, and to be fair, it was some different, the first few episodes I literally edited the first two or three just to kind of get the swing of things. I wanted to kind of understand the flow a little bit and then take that to editors i've worked with in the past so yeah there's been probably like three different editors our current one uh is doing a great job and yeah so we've we've done a pretty good job of like keeping our costs as low as we can with uh you know and just to paint a picture for people we do this we've recorded this on a tuesday evening by the time it's finished and we put it out wednesday morning essentially it's hit, it's hit a, a well let, let me yeah, bring up it that used point. to be three to five days right in yeah. the beginning and then sometimes and with the, the the nature of the the dates we we're trying to hit the the content would have been nine days old right so Bilal has worked wonders to get it next day and, and especially given what production yeah Antonio, and I will, thank you our boy yeah and i will say our uh exactly thank you to editor but also just to put paint a picture like this is probably you know I've paid way more in the past where I had someone in the US and they were great but like I think the person we work with now does as good if not good a jo- as good a job and uh, you know with the purchasing power of the dollar you can obviously spend less money on it for us compared to, to others so I think that is something for us to make this sustainable for us we without monetizing we needed to keep our costs low enough and make it easy for ourselves because if we were spending five hundred dollars every week on this without any monetization it it would be 12 episodes and we would be like hey we're running out of money very quickly so this has given us the runway to keep things lean enough and still think about how we would want to monetize longer term so yeah the answer is we would love to monetize at some point but that hasn't been the primary reason for doing this we like doing this ourselves uh you know chatting every week putting out for people but we have talked about obviously sponsorships is an easy one um you know, there have been people who have contacted us to do that. We haven't done it yet, though we're open to potentially doing that. The other area which I'm kind of more interested in is like doing stuff directly with the people who listen and want to back us, uh, whether that's some sort of Patreon, whether it's some sort of community selling merch, which I know we've talked about as well. We're people definitely have asked doing for. merch. We're definitely, we're definitely doing, doing merch, merch. We, exactly. Yeah. So, no, I agree. I just want, I want to add uh, on the to the community stuff below because you mentioned it after the. Uh, after the sailor episode, we did get a lot of comments like, wow, we would love to have heard like the post sailor commentary. And Blau, you brought it up. He's like, yeah, it's like small stuff like that, that uh, I think like the real fans would really appreciate. Uh, just more shooting of the shit. Like behind the scenes. Yeah. 
deeper like and yeah so we haven't really thought about that in too much detail like what that could look like but we're open to doing it so if you have ideas and you would want us to do something like that like comment below let us know because i think that would give us some validation that that's something we should at least explore yeah. i will say a lot of people ask us for a discord and to specifically answer that part we have a telegram already which i think works pretty well for what we're trying to do um discord would be awesome but it takes up so much time and that's something we don't have too much of right now uh, and i know jack you've already got discord for visualized value you've said it's just there's quite a lot to do there to monitor it and to you know make it uh, to do a good job of it i think is something we need to commit to so when we're going to do it if we do it we would want to do a really good job and make it a place that you actually want to be in um and still manage it for ourselves in an efficient way so that's that there's also you know in the height of the nft stuff people were asking us to create nfts like that's something where i'm almost kind of glad we didn't now given the current situation but again we kind of want to walk the walk as well you know like um we talk about this stuff we're like believers in it maybe there is something we could do turning some of our stuff into nfts and letting people kind of own a piece of like something that they like yeah is there anything else that we've we've talked about doing which we obviously haven't done yet well let me let me ask why we haven't done it yet uh i think a big part of it is it just monetizing this podcast just hasn't really been that important for either of us any of us We've, yeah, it hasn't like, been number one priority. Yeah, and it's like, and we've talked about, and it, we've reached out. We easily could have done many by now, um, but I think the point is just wasn't that important. And we talked about it a lot. It's like we just actually enjoy sitting here every week, notching on topics. It hasn't really become a job. It, it doesn't feel like a job at all. It's enjoyable once a week, and uh, yeah, uh, did we probably leave thousands of dollars on the table? But like we're already seventy episodes in. And we haven't monetized at all, probably, but it's fine. Like, yeah, definitely. I'm not chopped about it. Like, I don't Goodwill care. in the market, yeah. my friend. Yeah. It's just bottled up. <laughs> and that's true. No, also, the thing is, uh, when we first started it, we we basically said, like, let's prioritize making something good, landing on something that people actually like. And that take, if you interrupt that straight away yeah. with ads, like I did it for Create Lab from day one. I did ads. And I'm okay with doing that. But there was a time in between where I just stopped doing ads for a while because I was trying to re-hone in what it should look like. I kind of evolved a little bit. And then I went back to doing ads again when it made sense. So uh, I think, again, I'm not against doing ads. I think if someone's sitting here for an hour listening, we can speak for one minute for for an ad yeah. and they, they can the skip it if better. they want to. Yeah, and we would do clips. something. Exactly. That, exactly. So we would allow us to invest in our stuff and do a lot more. Um, so I'm not against doing any of those things. I just think, it, like you said, it hasn't been a number one priority. And uh, but yeah, if you're if you're a brand, you, I know there's plenty of people who own companies and stuff listening to this. If you're interested, let us know, and we will maybe kind of take. Maybe that'll give us the urgency to move it forward. Well, but the listener, the way, that's different, right? They'll know. I have, a, I have a concept for any brand or busy video editor out there that I think is a interesting commercial model where the brand could pay and be attributed directly to the post-production of the episode. So say you want to clip five pieces out of this episode, the brand would pay for the production of the clips and be credited for paying for that production. That's really smart. You get what I mean? So if you're a video editor, like the brand just, just uh, we split that with the the person that's cutting the clips and you know 
I think um, there's a real interesting model there where you could begin to make a market. And we talk about permissionless apprentice. You're muted, Tron. The uh, like getting the, um, I just think there's something really interesting there where you could start to clip stuff up without permission. And like, if the podcast itself doesn't have the budget to pay for those clips, the brand can come in and get exposure to the types of people that watch that podcast and uh, everyone wins. Dude, yeah, that is that's such a, that's actually so smart because like I've like over the months, like I've, we've randomly just clipped stuff from our podcast, millions, tens of thousands of views on these clips. There's no ads on it. Right. You look at just add like, um, we'll do, I'll do a very silly example. We talked about the segue with Bezos and, uh, Steve jobs trying to, uh, uh, do a, a pitch on the segue. That one has like 50,000 views on it. Uh, just on my Twitter could have easily put something there. Right. That's really smart, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could tie it in with something interesting, right? Like, uh, if you had a brand that, I think most of the people that are going to be interested in talking to the people that are listening to this podcast, is going to be like financial or tangential to, or like an entrepreneurial, like adjacent product. And that like, you know, clipped by or clip paid for by, you could even have like the Chevron or the, like the little thing in the corner. It like, it shows that brand's investment in the ecosystem where it's like, we're investing money to make this stuff more consumable and get it to more people rather than this like 90 second dead ad read in the middle of the really podcast. smart idea. I, I have a feeling that Spotify might be, you know how they're trying to go programming for audio. This feels like some fruit that they could pull, but that's really smart. Jack's alpha. Oh, not uh, investment if, advice. There's definitely people listening to this. that have that skill set, and uh, you don't need anyone's permission to go and build the like beta version of that. Right. Just like here's five clips from this podcast, that podcast, this podcast, you know? Yeah. I like the it. idea, mate. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question, Zaid. Thanks for asking that. And yeah, like let us know what you think. If there's certain things you especially want, let us know in the comments. Cause uh, that was always helpful for us. All right, boys, we got a few more minutes so we can um, bang on with the next one here. Um, so Matt O'Brien, our boy said, what is the most valuable lesson each of you have learned going solo versus working for a company? Um, anything stand out? I don't know if that, that might be, that could honestly be a whole segment of the I podcast. Got a, I got an easy but one. Go on. Uh, no self-censoring of anything, uh, a little bit, but a lot less. <laughs> you mean that you have to censor less? Is that what you're saying? No, just or like no? being public. Like, like I'll give you an example. When I was working for a startup, I mean, you guys probably have done this. Like, you know, when you're doing side projects, you don't want your employers knowing about your side projects. So you'll yeah. do it pseudonymously. But as we talked about with Board Elon, and like, you're not able to put your full self behind it, right? It's like, mm, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, I've done a few things where it had to be like pseudonymous. Uh, I mean, it's not super material, but like even writing or trying to sell stuff. Um, yeah, you don't have to do it anymore. It's very freeing. It feels incredible. And, uh, and I guess... I don't know how real it is or it's just our culture and the bubbles we're in, but this idea of cancel culture, like no one in a company can cancel me for Slack. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's like, cool. You don't like what I have to say. And well, we don't work in a corporation. Like I would at a fortune 100 company where you could get canceled for something in a Slack. I don't know how prevalent that is, but 
that's something always in the back of my mind when I work yeah. with other companies. Got it. What about you, Jack? Anything stand out to you? Going what solo was versus... What was the wording of the question again? The it biggest said, lesson. What's the most valuable lesson each of you have learned going solo versus working for a company? You got to create your own pressure. Mm, that's, that's good. That's Could you elaborate one. on that? Go on. Yeah. So when you work for like agency business is a great example of this, where it's like, we have a presentation on this day and you have to go in and stand in front of these 10 people it's a and ask them for line. money. Yeah. You have to, you have to put something together that's coherent and persuasive and you know, you're proud to stand in front of when you work for yourself, you have to manufacture those deadlines in a lot of cases. And, um, the weird thing is you can use other people to do that. Like, you know, in an agency business, even if you run it yourself, you can make promises to people that you have to keep. But that again is just kind of replicating the environment you came from versus if you're building something that has no external dependency on someone else showing up at a certain time or place, you have to get really good at just forcing yourself to make stuff. I think a lot of people do this with like, Hey, I send a newsletter every Saturday. You know, you put a, you put something in place that you put in, or I, I post something up every week or I do, um, that, that insight. And then I think the idea of momentum being a very real phenomenon you know, creativity is a muscle. The longer you leave it between reps, the harder it is to pick up the thing when you get back to it. So, uh, and I think one of the most articulate explanations of this, go back to the last 10 minutes of the sailor thing where he talks about, you find something you're good at, like go absolutely ham, uh, pursuing it. And, uh, yeah, the, like when you get distracted by a good idea, that's like when you're in, in trouble. Oh, you think you mm. can do something else? You can't. Wrong. Because- <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Dude, Except that- when you're well, relearning your whole life and dedicating your life to Bitcoin like he did. But uh, yeah. well, I think the nuance of it is like when you have something that's working. Yeah. yeah so right, I think right. his, the answer that he gave mm. to you, Trung, was better mm. than the way I've heard him explain it before, where he's like, this is the thing that people want to put their thing on autopilot, right? It's like you want to reduce the amount of effort and energy you give this thing, but you still want the same amount from it or like ex- right. and more from this thing without putting more into it. And that's Wrong. like the most ridiculous <laughs> assumption. And that's, I think he's probably but people make seen it, it though, but people, to you, but people make it all the time. They're like, Hey, here's shiny object X. Let me try shiny object X. I've done it a million times. A million we times. all do it. We all do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's hard to see when you're, um, people, the other, th- I'm, I'm giving three answers to this question, but my last one is like, people will try and tell you a better way to do something that they haven't done. That's a very common thing that I was about to come to something like this in a second, but yeah, go, go on elaborate on that. Uh, so I think there's a, like, Obviously, everybody wants and needs validation from the outside when you're building something that relies on other people to want to consume it. But there's also like a huge leap of faith in, um, I mean, I think any entrepreneurial endeavor where you're putting yourself into something and asking people to believe in it or try it. And there's, there's a million different ways people have said this. It's like the loudest booze come from the cheap seats or, you know, you get 
the most criticism from the people with the least skin in the game, blah, 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 blah. The man in the arena, you've heard it this said millions of different ways. Um, but it's very true phenomenal. I've experienced it. And, uh, I think the best way to not necessarily mitigate it, but, to, uh, well, maybe it is mitigating it. The idea that you can sit down with one person or like have a conversation with one person that appreciates what you're doing or is interested in what you're doing. You're basically just looking to replicate that relationship. And, uh, especially doing on the internet, doing business on the internet is so noisy. Uh, and then when you get some semblance of reach, I think Trung probably gets this the worst out of all of us. Like, you know, someone takes a joke out of context or ends up on the wrong side of Twitter where people are or, uh, Pelosi like, <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. uh, like on a Nancy Pelosi meme. Exactly. I think it's like that. The the internet is just this fascinating thing. It cuts both ways. Like it allows you to reach the people that you really want to be connected with and love what you do, but it also exposes you to the people that um, have very different opposite views to you, and that shouldn't discourage you. It's uh, just a function of uh, civilization. We got to disagree to to make progress. <laughs> For the listeners, Trung now puts his hands up so he doesn't interrupt. <laughs> Trung now I, talks that yeah, person. <laughs> I just want to reiterate that sailor line because I literally just listen to it every time before I jump into a run into a run. I'm going to hop into a run. It is so good. He goes, as soon as you find a little bit of success, you're going to start looking to do something else and you think you can do it. You can't. <laughs> Yeah. Why is that though? (laughs) It's very bizarre. Cause I think it's like, you feel like you've finished or you feel like you like the challenge isn't there anymore. The novelty, the novelty. It's the same reason why, I mean, listen, uh, we're all in a, a, you know, committed relationships here, but you know, (laughs) we're just going, I just saw Jack's face. (laughs) That's the analogy you're going to use. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He knew exactly where it's going. I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, What's, what's the one number one lesson you had? Not, oh, um, yeah, similar to what you guys were both talking about there, but that kind of, well, the first thing is the skin of the game thing, which I think is very, very key, which is until you've, like, you can be in a company and you can, I don't want to use the word coast, but you're being paid no matter what, right? Like, you're, you're going to turn up and if you do a 10 out of 10 day versus a 6 out of 10 day, you're basically being paid the same. Um, obviously, there's repercussions if you don't perform, you get fired, etc. But it's not as instant whereas when you're doing stuff yourself and you literally start from zero and you have to figure out how do i make money every month to pay for my minimum needs and then hopefully a lot more there's just a certain level of accountability that you have with yourself that you just don't get in a job and mentally that i think that is the most taxing part for a lot of people and that's why i don't think it's for everyone not saying it's better or worse it's just it's not like you have to value the freedom and all the other good parts of it and the flexibility and the true ownership of what you're doing enough to make up for the for the downside because there's a lot of downsides right and so that's one part that and something that jack said there about kind of like the feedback you get is like being able to filter out you could, i always like listen to what people say but i don't listen to everyone essentially like you you take it in but you filter out what's the most important feedback and and honestly like especially something creative 
right? Like a, a podcast, for example, like we're doing right now. There's not a right or wrong answer for what we're doing a lot of the time. We just had a conversation before this about our focus and should we talk about these topics or these topics? Or should we optimize for YouTube versus podcast? And our summary was, for you know, inside uh, baseball here was let's do what we enjoy the most. Yeah. And the rest is is kind of secondary because that's what we're optimizing for. If this was a business and we had investors and we need to do certain things to grow, right? And, and just to be clear, we are growing. Like we've grown every month since we've done this pretty much, right? And we're doing as as good as we've ever done. Oh, we're but doing numbers. We're doing Potential all right. advertisers. We are yeah, doing numbers. exactly. But the, that has not been <laughs> the optimal thing, right? Like we're not like, hey, let's cut up these clips to 10 minutes and put it on YouTube and put it on TikTok. And like we know all of those things will help. But and so we'll, we'll get feedback from people. And I, I was speaking to someone this morning about thumbnails, and he, this guy, clearly knows what he's talking about. I think he is going to add a lot of value to a lot of people, um, and probably to us as well uh, if you listen to this. But like, uh, that is one of like 200 things that we're kind of got on a checklist of things we need to improve, and uh, we are already consciously thinking about that stuff. And again, without knowing all the details of what we're trying to optimize for, it's very difficult to give advice, yeah. uh, you know, and that's not taking away anything that he's doing, but that is kind of one thing uh, I've realized is like, you got to filter out like what is the most useful stuff for you because people don't know the full context. And um, so that that is another thing. But yeah, really like the skin in the game part is what really sticks with me is like, when you earn zero money and you're used to earning, you know, a good amount of money, and you start from zero and you're spending five grand a month on rent and living costs the way I do, um, you figure it out, man. Like you, that really gives you the urgency to be like, how do I monetize my current skills? How do I sell sponsorships on my podcast? How do I do X, Y, Z? And that was the kind of kick I needed. At the same time, I will be honest and say, the consultancy work that I do, which I do enjoy mostly, um, that also kind of feels like I'm, not 100% going in another direction because of that too, which is a common thing, right? Because it's, it's close to a paycheck, right? For a lot of people. It's not exactly like a paycheck, but you get money every month and you turn up and you do enough work and you, you'll get it. Um, so that, that part to me is something I still am kind of developing. And, you know, I'm not like desperate to drop doing it because it's a good amount of money that I make from that. But it's not necessarily the thing I want to do for 100 years either. So that is kind of how I think about it. Um, real quick, Trunk, do you need to leave in a second for time? Or? Yeah, I got a boogie in like uh, two minutes. Okay, cool. Because uh, uh, I do have one question that was asked for me and Jack, and we can maybe do it just after you, you leave, if, unless Jack needs to leave. Trunk, anything else before uh, we kick out, mate? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave a final thought. Uh, it's from uh, the Ted Joya interview for the listeners that haven't had a chance. Top, it was on the front page of uh, Hacker News, if you oh, didn't yeah, see it, that. It cracked top 10, which is whoever put it. Thank you, if you're one of the listeners. Um, Ted Joya, one of the top music historians in the world, big on culture. But he actually said something, which Bilal, as you're talking about, hey, we could have done all these things to like juice the growth, like TikTok clips and YouTube clips. And all these, there's all these growth hat things, right? But something he brought up was uh, very salient. I asked him, is like, you know, what do you think about the future of music? He's very anti like, shorter songs. He's just trying to get hits. He just goes, look at a lot of these hits that are happening now that are TikTok made. Like people are finding success with TikTok and they hit the top of the billboards. They can't repeat it. And then within a year, they're gone. He's like, who is still being listened to? Who's making the most money from tours? Is it people that do the complicated stuff? Paul McCartney, Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan. These are three of the top five, six tours in the world. Yes, it's a lot of Lindy built-in stuff, but 
He's like, I don't think it's a coincidence that the people with the longest lasting power, people that did complicated, long songs, songs that challenged you, things that, things that made you think. And uh, that's what lasting power is, right? And I think what I'm trying to say is that I, when we're doing this or any kind of craft I do creatively, I really thought about that. And I'm like, man, I can do a lot of things to get the instant hit, like send out a meme now, get millions of people to see it. But like, that's not something that's lasting. And that, and that, that meme cycle, the dopamine is actually taking me away from doing good creative work. So it was like, you know, what, what matters working uh, on something that matters is what matters. Right. And that, that sounds like something sailor would say, but uh, yeah, uh, no, that's, that's a nice way to so wrap I just want that. Yeah. yeah I, I add is like, uh, I think moving forward, anything creative, including this podcast is like, I think we kind of talked about it right before is like do stuff that we care about because that stuff we'll put effort in and we're not thinking about, Oh, what is the YouTube algorithm going to, going to a reward it's like are we making good shit yes or no so mm -hmm. that's my final yeah and we can definitely like you know if we're gonna create a thumbnail we'll create one that we think is gonna be better than worse of course but that that's just one tactical thing but i on the actual the two hours we just spent recording this that to me is the most important part like do, every week we need to f turn up and be like excited like i'm looking forward to this every week like i'm sure you guys are too and i think that is why we do it and we're at a stage where that is more important than, oh, I need to make X amount of money. Though, of course, those things need to be balanced. Like if I went to zero in the other stuff I yeah. do, we might say, we're, actually, we we're do need to- turn on the taps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, none of us are against making money. I think that's, it. I actually think that's an important thing as well yeah. uh, to the, what we said before in terms of like making itself sustainable and also the real demand. Like if someone wants to put money behind it or a Patreon, or like people want to pay for extra content, that is the best compliment not just you know listening it's like they're like oh we actually like your stuff enough that we want more and we'll pay x amount for it i i love that so it's just it's a balance balancing act and i think uh, as long as we still focus on making it fun and enjoying it every week then it adds something good in our lives which is why we mainly do it what's the last question for you guys I i'm gonna bounce on but what was it all right cool yeah yeah uh, what was the, it the question was from rufus he said for the brits you've touched on how starting a business and making it is much easier mm -hmm. in the states than the uk so could you uh oh. sorry could you go in detail about how bonus what was the final push that made you commit to the move that's so amazing. this is about uk you okay, i'm excited Jack, have you got a few Too minutes to talk Rick about this Burton couldn't be here no i know i'll, I'll hit you guys up all right, thanks, thanks, Trunk. We'll, we'll finish this one off. All right, thanks for hanging here, everyone, if you're still here. So to repeat that real quickly, it was about the difference between UK versus US for business. We've talked a little bit about this in a previous podcast. Um, I want to clarify one thing from my point of view. He said, you've touched on how starting a business and making it is much easier in the States than the UK. I, I don't know if I would 100% agree with that statement. The, the word making it is obviously very broad. I think specifically for business success there's probably more upside here for sure there's a bigger market people are open to stuff um on a business point of view but making it i just want to clarify like it's quite a, a more of a philosophical thing like if you're spending time with your kids every day doing stuff you like to do you made it to me so like good for you and i'd actually say europe is probably better than the us for for a lot of that sort of stuff as well but with the frame of business specifically what what do you think jack is there anything that stands out to you mate yeah i think you said when you were explaining that uh, people are more open to it. I think that's the key insight, right? Who said the uh, 
who said business is just other people's money. Do you know that? Quote? I'm not sure, but yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. So I think that idea of like how people think about their money in any given culture is going to inform how easy it is to start and build a business. And I think that's the key difference is that there is some element of the American psyche where everybody has a degree of that ambition. Maybe that's a gross generalization, but more frequently you encounter people who are I think the and average this, for sure is high and like caring about and that. And I haven't lived society. in the UK for 10 years, so I might be chatting complete that's, yeah. bollocks here. Like, I no, no, I think, I think that's probably accurate. Like, it doesn't mean there aren't ambitious people there. Obviously, it means on average, the, it's essentially the most capitalist market and therefore it kind of optimizes for that. Like, it's probably a, uh, that's a, good a summary way to say it. it. That's a good way to say it. And it's a younger country, so it's like it's run more experiments and those experiments have different rates of success and failure relative to a two and 3,000 year old society that's kind of phased out certain experiments or decided as a culture that that's not a way to approach things long-term. So I think that is just reflected in the, in the culture overall. I think failure has way less of a stigma yeah. where it's like some of the rock star founders and business people in the States definitely celebrate their failure. And I'm not saying people elsewhere don't celebrate their failure, but the failure is celebrated with them or seen as like a part of the story as much as the- It's harder to shake off, I feel like in other parts, like even like on a small scale, like when there's a, again, this is maybe, I haven't looked at the data for this, but I'm just saying anecdotally from people I know and reading and stuff like that. And even myself, like there is, especially Silicon Valley coming from our background of like tech, there's, you know, it's very cliche by this point, but there's like failure porn essentially, right? Like right, there's, right, right. oh, I messed up here. And like, it, it becomes annoying in a way. Like the LinkedIn look at, template. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like 15 lines with space in between yeah, them. So yeah. I, I do think, but I do think there's a truth to that. Like people are okay. Like if you if you tried something out, you're like, all right, it didn't work out. Uh, I think they're a lot more kind of open to that here versus the general population in let's say Europe. I can't. I don't know enough about Asia right now to really comment on it. But like having worked in Europe for a long time as well, and half of my best friends being from there and seeing that as well on the business side is like there's there's pros and cons but yeah that is the part where people are just less th th less open to it versus yeah, yeah I, I think th i think people's work is way more a part of their identity in a, in the states like that's a good way when to you put meet it, yeah. somebody it's like what do you do for a living what do you do like that's the first question people ask you versus like in the uk you know maybe we might even come up and that's a, i think that's a great thing too like you just optimize for the stuff that you're interested in and different markets in uh, you know, even in the US. About it, even me talking about it like different markets, markets. It's yeah, like yeah. places to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking, like, it's, it's, but I know what you're saying. It's yeah, that yeah. we think of it as like consumers. Yeah, it's very, and, uh, it's very different. Market, you're right. Yeah, it's very different. But like um, Birmingham isn't a market; it's a city, right? Like that's <laughs> right, <what you> mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like that, even that is uh, indicative of the ten years of conditioning that I've been under. You know, is uh, you think about the place you live as like there are many more facets to that you consider. And, uh, I love having like that variation too. It's like some people I hang around with and they want to talk about like what they're building, what they're doing, the technology they're interested in, blah, 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 the stuff they're speculating on. And then equally enjoyable to have spend time with people who 
could not give two shits about that stuff. Yeah, right? just want to hang out and chill and talk about other stuff or nothing. Do you feel like you went through phases with that? Do you feel like when you were younger and you were probably moved here earlier, like for me, I'll just describe, that was my identity or whatever. I was so interested in it because maybe I was looking for it more because I moved here from Europe where people I was around were ambitious and yeah, you know yeah. talked about work a lot. But I'm just saying when you move here, like you said, it was the, the first thing and and I was like looking for that too, because I was entrepreneurial and I was meet, I was trying to meet new people and in the business world, that was why I came here. Whereas like, as I've gone older, I've realized like, oh, of course, like we, you know, these civilizations in, the U- in Europe have been like living like this for ages. And uh, you know, the US is just a, um, a younger country in its current form, obviously, yeah. um, than a lot of the countries we come from. So. There's just an element of like, if you're in Spain and you're, I'm obviously generalizing here, right? But, but like legit people do take naps during the day. Like, you know, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. siesta is a real thing. And, and I think that's amazing. Like, I love it. Or if you go to Italy for the summer, like people like, yeah, they're working, they're doing stuff, but like, they're just enjoying life. They're like living lives and they're chilling with the boys and they're having espresso and they're going out and like, you know, having a good time and eating long meals. They're not in a rush to get out the restaurant. They're just enjoying themselves and actually living. And I think that is a wonderful thing. And I, I keep a lot of that with me. Um, and you know, it's not to say people don't do that here in the States. Of course they do, but it, it, it definitely skews. Oh yeah. The other yeah, way. I don't uh, think that's a controversial statement. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. just me <laughs> yeah. tiptoeing around it because I don't want someone in my DMs like trunk. <laughs> right, right. And we are like the worst sample to ask this question to ever because the two of us have like made that decision. So yeah. we're like, you know, I think that that idea of like making that choice to move and like that's indicative of the things you value as an individual and like the amount of opportunity and like always looking for something new to do or something new to try is i'm gonna say it's a personality trait but it's definitely like a preference that some people have and it's uncomfortable it definitely can't be a personality trait to right, be fair. right, right. <laughs> yeah and, and so, like i think it all comes down to like knowing what is uh just knowing yourself as well as you can and like man it just like i think the variety of it is what kept me so compelled early on is just like such a shock in culture and so like new york especially is like a different beast like um just the scale of it the like amount of the amount of the amount you absorb i don't even know if it was you and i had this conversation is like just the subconscious understanding you have of how many people are like getting on the subway every day to go and do something and like varying degrees of interesting to you personally but there's just so many different pursuits and and things that people are working on that's inspiring if that's the kind of thing you're interested in and um man i like like i miss so i miss a lot of elements of living in the uk for sure um yeah it's just uh do you think it would change as you get older now you've got a kid you're married, you're more settled down, you've obviously moved away from New York. Do you think you could ever see yourself live in Europe again, for example? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Like, man, we would live in Florence. I would love to live in Florence. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love that place, man. We've uh, been talking about this a lot, actually. I mean, it's actually, if you're still with us, like, we've been, me and my girlfriend have been talking a lot about 
where would we live outside of New York? Because right now we're in between both our families. We like yeah, it here. Hard. In the States, this is where we like. But if we were to move somewhere else, especially thinking with kids and more of a balanced like lifestyle and like good climate, good, um, you know, honestly, like feel more value in like what you spend your money on, having more space, et cetera, et cetera. Like obviously you can do that in the States, but you, especially because we all work remotely now, it just makes it a lot more tangible to so say, I mean, our friend Tom Osman, just, I hope he doesn't mind saying this. I think he's talked about it, but he's, like, he's moved to it, Spain, yeah. right? So like, He's, he's thought about retiring in Spain one day and he's already gone and done it, which is amazing. Now he gets to enjoy it for his 30s and 40s and 50s versus, oh, like I'm 72 and now I finally get to hang out in Spain, which is cool too if you do yeah. it. But I think that is that wasn't an option when you're going to a Honda factory, right? Like you need yeah, to be yeah, in the yeah. factory every day. Exactly right. So um, yeah, so you would be open to it, sounds like. Yeah, I think so. I think like, again this is maybe an unhealthy thing to admit, but the like urgency of the culture here is what keeps you competitive too. go back to the sailor thing. Yeah. Waking up every day. Like there's a like wolf chasing you or whatever analogy you want to use. It's like, that's like weirdly built into the culture here. And probably people listen to this and be like, that sounds terrible. Yeah. But the alternative is like, I don't know how much grinding I'll be doing. If I was like, taking three naps a day and out like sipping every night. So, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's a balance. That's a different it's vibe, a balance. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a, I think some people achieve it. I also think a lot of people um, obfuscate or don't aren't completely honest with that. Um, with that level of balance. Like, I think you do have an, uh, have to have a certain level of like, mental commitment to something and it's healthy to rest and take breaks and do things at a sustainable pace. But it's also like, especially in the era we live in now, it's like when you find something that's working, like the worst possible feeling. And I've, I've experienced this is like taking your eye off the ball on something that is like legitimately good. Yeah. And, uh, feeling like you kind of missed out on like something you should like, you've talked about it in the last year, I guess. Right. Is that what you reference? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like, you find something that's like legitimately yours and unique and is resonating. And again, the shiny object is like, Oh, but that looks like faster or easier. And maybe if I do that, then I can go and sit on the beach. And the truth is I don't want to go sit on the beach. Right. I think that's another thing that people have, uh, maybe wrong about what they would do if they're in a different situation. Like my preference is to have something that I'm like engaged in and interested in and it's challenging and blah, 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 blah. Am I opposed yeah. to having a much more pleasant environment around me while I'm doing that? Absolutely not. But there's like, I think a lot of it is, um, you can't separate everything. There's like a lot of it's like tangled up together and you don't know until you, until you move. Yeah. No, that was that was good. Thanks for asking that, uh, Rufus. I think it was. Um, and just for people who made it all the way here, we had a few more questions which we won't get to today. But I've saved them, so the next time we do this, I think honestly, I would like to do this more often because I think every time we do this, we get really good discussion. But we had question from Jeff on business ideas. Uh, Layman, you asked about favorite tech products, role models from Max, physical routines, um, barbecue, which will we'll tie in with that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so we've got a few more questions. Warren, you asked a great question on remote work and Andreessen Horowitz recently talking about the headquarters being in the cloud. That could be its own segment on the pod, so I kind of saved yeah. that for, for next one. So there's a bunch in here. We'll, if you want more of these, let us know, because I think, honestly, these are great. Like, I would do this every week. This is how uh, interesting the convos come. So uh, let us know what you think of these. We can uh, do more of them if, if you like them. Um, anything, Jack, before we cut off, mate? We've uh, been in two hours now, so this was, no, this was this a nice was way to wrap Thanks up. Thanks for anyone who made it this far. Uh, it's been a good episode. Let us know rambling. if you made it all the way here, because, uh, yeah, this is definitely longer than our usual episodes, but I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks again for your support for submitting Trung's interview on the front page of Hacker News. I don't think we even posted that in uh, the Telegram or anything to, to vote or anything, but that no, was just organic. Just organic. That's what he's talking about, mate. That, that's, there we go. That sweet, quality, thoughtful content. Just getting <laughs> exactly. the recognition it deserves. Exactly. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here again. We appreciate you guys. Comment on YouTube so we know uh, what you thought of this one, what you want more of. And uh, we will see you next week for the next one. Cheers. Cheers.